Oh my god, you are out of control. You are absolutely out of control. everyone and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today we will be talking about the 14th episode of Riverdale Season 5, The Night Gallery. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski and I am joined as always by my co-host, my co-host the spectacular Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing this evening? We're just going to keep that all in. <laughs> I love it. I'm a, I'm a co-hat. I'm doing great, Mary. Um, it's, been a, it's been a big day of uh, podcasts for me, but I'm excited to, to finish it all off with you. Yes, you've been podcasting podcasting and like Twitch streaming all day, whereas I have been getting majorly sunburned because it's a holiday weekend. You know, I'm at the beach. It's probably like, I don't know, close to the last weekend that like beaching is really going to be able to be happening before it it gets that crisp fall weather. (laughs) And Mary, just you and I, we are of a similar complexion. We are fair skinned. You gotta wear your sunscreen and you gotta reapply. Here's the thing. I put so much sunscreen on when I actually like went down to the ocean reapplied everything was good but it was before that earlier in the day when I played pickleball that I just completely forgot you gotta wear it all the time not just at the beach the sun is everywhere I know it's a danger I normally stay inside Well, and now we know why. Yeah. Have you ever played pickleball? I had never played before. I have never played pickleball. It looks weird. It's fun. I mean, have you played tennis? Uh, I mean, playing tennis is very generous to my tennis abilities, but sure. I, like, I've never played tennis before, and so this seemed like a slightly more manageable version of tennis, and I don't want to, like, I know that a lot of people play pickleball, so I'm not trying to, like, diminish pickleball, but it's more like tennis is a harder ball, it's moving faster, it's coming to my head. The pickleball, it's a wiffle ball, basically. Like, if it hits me, it'll hurt a little, but not as much. So it, it'll be okay. Hmm. It was fun. I'm not very good at it. I'm not very good at team sports in general. Oh, my God. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, my, my friends keep trying to get me to play volleyball, but that just seems dangerous. So I don't know Vo- about that. I, volleyball, you'll be fine with volleyball. Who are You're not, like, freaking Bella Swan. I think you could play volleyball. You'd be fine. You know, it might be pretty similar. <laughs> no, stop it. Okay. Well, so let's get into this Riverdale episode because... I want to talk about it real quick before we get into it. This episode was directed by Machen Amick, aka Alice Cooper. It's her second episode of directing after Killing Mr. Honey, which was season four, episode 19, I think, the the final episode of season four proper before the hiatus. I really liked this episode. I feel like you're probably not going to have really liked it, but... I mean, like, the episode, the concept was fine. Stylistically, it was fine. The content of some of it was fine. But it, mm, she's a good director. But like uh, the episode itself was, mm. I'm what I'm really mad about is the whole Archie plotline should have been the connection to Chilling Adventures of Sabrina that they're just not doing now. I guess, and I'm annoyed by that. But it, it is fine. Actually, this whole season should have been a connection to Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. But we'll get into it. It's fine. So a couple things. First off, I like this better than Killing Mr. Honey. But I've noticed that like both her episodes have been sort of like a unique format. Like Killing Mr. Honey was filmed you know, sort of partially in the real world, partially in this, like, story that they were telling. I can't remember if I liked that or not. I didn't like the content, but I I liked the directing style. Like, it was an interesting style, but I was mostly just mad at, like, Betty and Jughead for seriously considering killing their teacher just because he was a buzzkill, basically. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I didn't like that. But for this episode, I like, as a podcaster, I will always appreciate when they break things up into very convenient plot segments. It makes it so much easier to take notes on, so I liked that. But I also feel like we finally got a lot of answers and a lot of flashbacks that I've been looking for. I think there's going to be a lot of, like, continuity errors and loopholes in this because of this episode. There are continuity (laughs) errors in this episode. There's a lot, but, and I will say, like, two-thirds of the content I enjoyed. You're never going to really be able to get me to enjoy an Archie plot, but... At uh, first, I was really scared that this was going to be an all-Archie episode, and I was like, I will unalive myself. Like, absolutely not. Um, But (laughs) thankfully, that was not the case. 
unalive myself. This this episode, though, had zero Veronica. Well, I guess Cheryl really doesn't care about her. I guess not. So that was interesting. I, I don't like the fact that Cheryl was also basically not in this episode either. She was just sort of like the plot device, but we'll get to it. I, I liked a lot of it. Now, when you bring up the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina thing, remind me again, what's the connection with the mines? So in Greendale, which is the town in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, is a mining town. And the mines are there and like magic and like demonic kind of stuff happens in the mines at different points over the series. So it honestly would have made sense if they had tied in that Greendale also had Palladium as like a way to connect the shows, which also makes sense because at one point in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Sabrina and another character go to Thornhill because it's like a magic site. So, like, it would make sense if that was part of it. When they went to Thornhill, what, were any of the Riverdale characters there? Was Thornhill, no, like, a ruin? It was, or? it was just a scene of, like, Thornhill and, like, the trees. Like, I, oh, I don't okay. even know if Chilling Adventures of Sabrina happens in the same timeline as Riverdale. Like, it could have been in the past. They also have, like, a multiple timeline thing, too. So, like, it's just... It, there could have been a connection made, and they didn't do it, and I'm upset about it. That's annoying. I mean, I think that that's just... Like, classic case of like they could be doing so much more with this material like it's even like it's the same creators i think it's this like at least some of the same writers like they could they could have done it and they chose not to and it just annoys me do you think the fact that sabrina got canceled maybe is making them not want to tie it in as much i mean maybe but i think it should make them want to tie it in more so they can bring those characters to riverdale although they certainly were not afraid of bringing all the characters from katie keen like they constantly mentioned the characters from katie keen and even one of them showed up at that one point that I don't remember. Yeah, uh, the K- uh, the KO, the um, Yeah, KO. The boxer. That's, that's right, KO. Yes. I don't know. Oh, well. I guess uh, I guess we'll find out if it ever happens, but my hopes are not high for the Sabrina interaction. It's rude that they don't connect, but uh, whatever. Oh, well. So the format of this episode is that Cheryl has invited Minerva over. Yes. I think her name and is Minerva. I did not remember until the end of the episode why she was upset when she literally was like oh yeah your nana wanted to sacrifice me I was like oh that's why she's I had no recollection well it was pre the hiatus I think and so I I was like why is Minerva all mad weren't they like dating it took me a while to figure out I got it before the episode because I sat there paused the show and thought about it for a while and I was like why did this happen oh yeah that's right Nana Blossom wanted to sacrifice her I was just like I vaguely had a memory of her running away but I I couldn't remember why or what the situation but was. But it wasn't like a chasing. It wasn't like Cheryl and Nana Blossom and um, Penelope are all coming in on her. It was like one of them was like, why don't we sacrifice her? And they were like, no. It, yeah, Cheryl's like, no. And Penelope's like, let's do a spell. Like, they, it, yeah. it's fine. It didn't happen. But anyway, so basically, Minerva has come over to the Blossom house and Cheryl is showing Minerva these paintings that she has made in her quote-unquote night gallery. How do you feel about her art because I don't think it's good. I think the style is okay. I I did not like the one of Archie mostly just because I don't think that any legitimate artwork is going to have like shirtless hot boy in the center. Like not in that way. It's not like you can't have shirts off or nudity and art but not in that kind of way. I think the Betty one looked a lot like like the Betty and the Jughead one looked more like a I don't know like book covers or like the thumbnail you'd see on like a horror movie. They look like a book cover for, like, a YA novel. Yeah. Like, one that would be free on Kindle Unlimited. They don't look like the kind of thing that you would, like, hang up in your house, exactly. But no. what do I know? So, the, uh, yeah, the, the three paintings we've got here, each one has a different plot line. So, the first one is a picture of Archie in the mines, and sort of behind him are these, like, glowing other red lights from other miners, but he's shirtless, and that's, he doesn't even take his shirt off in this plot. Like, I'm not sure why he needed to be shirtless, except for just, Cheryl it's knows a joke. what the people want, okay? <sighs> Whatever. But yeah, so then we go into like, here's the plotline of Archie, and it doesn't start with anything to do with the mines. It starts with Archie actually in therapy, which is, that's good. I was really afraid this plot was going to turn into like the therapist like poisoning Archie or the fact that they, because yeah. because they make it seem like he's afraid to take the pills for his anxiety, I was afraid that it was going to be some kind of like, don't trust medication for mental health health issues. Like, I was afraid that's where they were going with it. I was ready to rage about it. 
about it. I was ready. Luckily, they sort of pivot where it starts off that way, but then later on, Archie's like, sorry, that was totally not the pills. It was actually a different scenario. And I'm mad about that, too, because I'm mad about them making it carbon monoxide when it should have been, like, a spell happening in, like, mines. Anyways, so he's, he is, like, going through and talking about what has, like, what happened to him and what he saw in the war because Dr. Winters wants him to take anxiety medication and Archie's like, no, no pills. So she tries EMDR. Have you heard of this? Is this a real thing? Um, I have not heard of EMDR, but it does appear to be a thing when I Google it. Eye movement. Eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Yeah, and... That seems like kind of a scary phrase, but basically she says, like, if you're concentrating your eyes on her finger that's moving back and forth, it'll keep your body in the present so that you're not, like, feeling like you're actually flashing back when you're talking about your past trauma. So they try that. It doesn't seem to really work that well, which is why Archie ends up coming back and eventually taking the pills. And Eric is also taking the pills, and it seems fine for him. So I've done um, a quick Google search of the EMDR, and it is a treatment for PTSD specifically, but it does make it seem like there's a lot more steps. So like this, it just seems like she's like, okay, we're going to try this. Look at my finger. And that was it. But it looks like there are actually eight phases. The first phase is you take the history. The second is you have to actually prepare the client for what you're going to do. Then you have to assess the target memory. Then for three phases, you actually process the memory with the adaptive resolution. And then you can look at how it worked. So like they, the name of what it is, and what it is works for PTSD, but the show just obviously doesn't have the time or scope to actually show that, so they made it seem like a much like, oh, we tried this once and it didn't work kind of thing. Yeah, so eventually, this is jumping ahead, but eventually she is going to prescribe Alprazolam. I don't know how to say that correctly, which does appear to be a panic and anxiety medication. It says that it's fairly addictive. Now, that might just be a thing that they have to say. Well, I don't most, know. Most anxiety medications are are actually fairly addictive. And so a lot of the times when someone has anxiety, they will be prescribed an antidepressant instead. Like for, I was briefly on medication for my anxiety in university. I have, um, I have panic disorder and I have generalized anxiety disorder. And for a brief period of time, I was on Prozac for that because most of the anxiety medications like Xanax is super addictive. Ativan is super addictive. Like most of the stuff that actually treats anxiety is pretty addictive. So it, it does make sense that that would be a risk. Interesting. It does mention here that all the side effects are like very minimal, common ones, drowsiness, dizziness, saliva production, change in sex drive, that kind of thing. It's nothing mm-hmm. that seems like a, would be the kind of effect he's, it's not like hallucinations like Archie ends up getting. Yeah, that's most, for the most part, I feel like you'd be hard pressed to find a medication that is going to give you hallucinations that were not already like there. Right. So Eric and Archie, they're going through this therapy, which seems to be working pretty well, Cheryl comes over and she's like, hey, <laughs> I thought this was funny because it's the kind of like blank spot in the plot that normally bugs me, but I'm like, everybody's been talking about Palladium in Riverdale and somehow Cheryl doesn't seem to know about it. And so she's yeah. like, hey, how am I the only one who didn't know about it? I've just discovered it. So I need you guys to come in my mines and dig up all the Palladium before Hiram gets it. And Archie's like, okay, this was also a really good like self-aware moment when he's like, you know, I'm not really a miner though. And she says, you've been a soldier, a fireman, a football coach, a teacher, and a bounty hunter. And I was expecting her to be like, it's not like you knew how to do any of those things either, but she basically does. So it was pretty good. But then Uncle Frank is like, don't worry, I ran a mining crew before. We can do that. Let's shut up, Uncle Frank. What, you've done every job enough. I've had enough. I know, I know. So Cheryl gives a prayer to all of them before they go in the mine. The the mining crew is Archie, Frank, Eric, Reggie, Fangs, and Kevin. So basically anybody who does not have a full plot in this episode because the other two small plots are like one person plots basically. Exactly. Did you catch the part where Reggie winks at Nana Blossom? I didn't catch it and I wish I hadn't uh, had to hear about it now. Yeah, it was uh, it was disturbing. So there's a lot of basically like back and forth going into the mines. Archie is getting, it's, it's hard to tell whether or not he's just continuing to have his normal flashbacks of Bingo and some of the other soldiers who died on his command or if he's starting to be affected by something else. And so 
he first is like, okay, I'm still getting flashbacks. This is a problem. So I'm going to go on the anxiety medication. So he gets prescribed Which also, it. anxiety medication wouldn't work instantly like that. If anything, they would be like, okay, here's your long-term anxiety med that you're going to take every day. And here's a quick release to take if you have a panic attack. Like, it doesn't make any sense that um, the anxiety medication would work so fast for RG and Eric. Yes. Like, that's weird. That's not how medicine works. Gotcha. Coupled with the fact that Fangs is going to tell a story about the Mothman who used to work in the mines. Now, are these Mothmen, I guess these are the same as, like, the ones that Jughead had been talking to the other guy about? I thought about? that it was, I thought the underground ones were mole men, and then the Mothmen <sighs> were the alien. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he says that truckers used to talk about them because apparently the truckers also used to work in the mines at one point, and the Mothmen lived underground, and they were cannibalistic. So Archie starts hallucinating about the Mothmen, and yeah. he barges into the therapist office and starts yelling that she is experimenting on him and then working for Hiram. I love how she's like, Hiram? Who? The rum maker? Like, that would be the first thing. Not like, the guy who was a mayor of my town for so long? Like, is she not in Riverdale? Is she it might some, not is, be. Like, is she in a different town? She might be somewhere else. But, like, I, there's no know. explanation for that. We don't know how long it takes to get there, right? I just love this idea that, like, anybody in a different town, they're, the way they, they know Hiram know. Is, that, is that he's, like, a rum maker. Not, like, yeah any of the other things he's done been way more famous for it, but okay. You'd think that it'd be like, oh, the white-collar criminal? Yeah. Because in season one, he was like front-page news, right? Yeah, he was. Also, like, while this isn't the case that we know of, of why Archie is, like, having these hallucinations, Hiram has totally done this before. This is exactly what he did at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy when he was, like, testing out his Jingle Jangle, not Jingle Jangle, the other the one, Fizzle, Fizzle Rocks, Rock. his Fizzle Rock production on, uh, on the people who yeah. were at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, so he's done this. This show, it's a flat circle, okay? Yeah, it's all related. It's very weird because Archie, like, gets so upset and finally the other patient who's already in there has to be like, listen, you gotta go. Like, she told you to leave. And he does. And he tries to tell Eric to stop seeing the therapist as well. And Eric's like, uh, no, I'm gonna keep going. It seems to be working. Yeah, so it's working for Eric, I guess. So then they end up going back into the mines again. First, Frank is like, hey, you probably shouldn't be going down there right now. You're under a lot of stress. And he's like, okay. Mm -hmm. But then Archie starts hearing, screaming coming from the mines. And at first I thought this was like another hallucination, but it's mm -hmm. not. There actually is screaming and it's Kevin. So all the guys are sort of doing different things. Kevin is sitting there rocking back and forth saying he loves me, he loves me not. Fangs is like singing a song, talking about how voices are talking in his head. Reggie is screaming that there are monsters down there. And then Eric and Frank are like fighting. It seems like Frank is not super affected by any of this, but Eric like thinks that Frank is the devil and is like trying to fight him. And they all come out and they realize like, oh, there's carbon monoxide gas down there. And this is the thing that's so stupid. Like, they could have gotten away, I feel like, with this plot line if they hadn't said, oh, Frank ran a mine before. Because I feel like it's just common knowledge that if you have a mine, you have to make sure there's no, like, dangerous gases in there. Enough. I'm trying to see like, what carbon monoxide does. Like, does it produce hallucinations? Like um, I think that carbon monoxide would just, like, make you fall asleep and then die. Oh, wait, is it carbon monoxide or dioxide? What carbon dioxide is what we breathe out. Carbon Whoops. monoxide. <laughs> I googled the wrong thing. I think you can have some hallucinations. It sounds like auditory hallucinations and then an unexplained feeling of dread. Okay. So, of course, it's a TV show, so they're going to make it seem way more extreme and fast acting, probably. But oh, wait, but higher... But if there's a lot of carbon... Di if there's too much carbon dioxide, you could have visions. Huh. So, I don't know. I definitely think it was... I, I looked at my notes again. It says carbon monoxide, which they makes way more monoxide. sense. They said monoxide. Yeah, they said carbon monoxide. So I love that Cheryl's like, okay, great. There's a lot of gas. Fix the problem. And Archie's like, okay, I guess we could try to fix the problem. Which means, guess what? We're probably gonna have to see more mines in like the next episode. I don't think this is finished. If I see another mine, it'll be too soon. Also, they did end up finding some palladium. So there is yes, palladium Kevin, down there. Kevin found a big chunk of palladium. So good for him. Yeah. But if this is the largest vein of palladium in North America, you'd think they would have found more. You would think. And also like, what's the time estimate? before Hiram breaks in and takes advantage of all their work to start stealing palladium. I would not be surprised if in the next episode there's a mine thing where Hiram comes in and like they they show up one day and they realize that Hiram's taken over, burned down the maple grove again or whatever. So Archie goes back to his therapist and apologizes and feels, admits that he does still need help. And uh, in a surprising moment of like realism, the therapist is like, yeah, no, you came in here like yelling and screaming at me. So I don't 
don't feel comfortable being alone with you. And honestly, I don't think you should be like alone with anyone right now. To which I would say fair, not really her problem anymore. But also you can't just like tell someone, hey, don't be around people. Like they still need, he still needs help. I got the sense that um, as a result of all of this, maybe Archie is going to spend some time in an institution of some kind. I wouldn't be surprised if the next episode starts and uh, Archie is in some kind of hospital getting care. It's interesting you think that because what I think is Archie needs help. And so what he's probably going to do is decide, okay, I need to be alone. It's going to be just me in the mines now. Well, I guess it just depends on who trusts Dr. Winters. And that's the end of the Archie plot line. I mean, it was it was typical. It was weird. It was archie But at least this time it was like more emotional and um, like mental rather than physical, which I like because I feel like normally the Archie plot lines are just completely physical and nothing else. It's all punching and fighting and wrestling yeah. and chasing people. So this was a little bit more interesting. Still not my fave and I'm upset that they didn't connect with Sabrina. Yeah. So the next one, we have a painting of Betty with the chainsaws where mm-hmm. Cheryl says, who is the true monster, the ghoul our girl is hunting or the girl herself? Now, pausing real quick right here, we didn't mention this before, but it's unclear whether or not Cheryl has painted these pictures after the events have happened or if this is like her predicting what's happening. Honestly, I don't really think it matters. I don't think we're ever going to come back to the night gallery situation. So I think it was just more of a device for the episode. I would agree with that. Yeah. So at Pops, Tabitha is like, hey, we caught like a murderer. This is all getting a little intense for me. I don't know how to feel about this. And Betty's like, yeah, no, you should definitely tap out because it's going to get probably way darker. And Tabitha's like, okay, fair. But also I've got your back if you do need me. So what are you going to do, Tabitha? What? How are you going to have Betty's back? What? Like truly, what is she going to do? I think what she's saying is like, yeah, I definitely want out. But like, if you if you end up needing me, I don't. I'm not like going to ditch you. But, but like, like, if you can handle gonna, it on your own, <laughs> what's she going to need Tabitha for though? Literally, like what? I don't know. What if is the she guy, if the guy like tried to escape, I don't know. I don't know. It's she, like ta- Tabitha doesn't have the skills. I'm not sure. So Betty has her perp chained up in the shop class. This is the guy she hit with a wrench last episode. Yes. Shop class, and she like turns on the headlights to like scare him. She's like, no one's gonna come. It's a long weekend. I'm like, is the school open again? I guess it's Labor Day weekend, just like in the real world. I guess. So she claims she's with the FBI again. Classic Betty giving away too much information. And he's like, well, I have rights. I'm in the United States. And she's like, actually, you're in Riverdale, so you don't have and rights. And so now I'm like, is is she just being funny, or does the Riverdale not count as part of the United States since it lost its township? I think it still counts. Look, I don't understand how this works, but I feel like it's still, I mean, it's still in a state. Yeah. I don't understand how this works. Anyways, that was a stupid line, and I would like to nominate that for the worst line of the episode. Yes. We we don't do that on this podcast, unfortunately. We probably should, but retroactively, it'd take too long to come up with, like, the As cringiest moment. As if I moment. could remember actual, normally I don't remember an actual line. It was bad. And not only that, but she fought, she she said, you're not in the United States, you're in Riverdale, and men who hurt women don't have any rights, was the full quote. So, okay. Anyway, he basically starts telling her that she's just like a woman who gets off on entrapping men, and that probably a bitter ex-boyfriend, like, hurt her, and that's why she's doing this. If she was really in the FBI, and she was arresting him for solicitation, sure, entrapment, it happened. He literally tried to kill her with the chainsaw. She did not entrap him to do that. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Is like, does he... Is he forgetting the fact that he just had her in his truck where he grabbed a knife and then a chainsaw? Like, she knows he tried to kill her. I don't know where he... Anyway, this, you know, this person clearly is not um, thinking in the same way that yeah, some this, of us would. This dumbass. But she keeps having flashbacks to when she was held captive by the trash bag killer. Yes. And this is something that I, I did like is that we got a little bit more in-depth flashbacks here. I mean, it's always the same one of like her in the pit, but this time the, fla- the trash bag killer was also like saying things to her. So her first step in this process is thinking like, okay, I want to find out where Polly is. I want him to admit to some of these things and like I need proof on that. So I'm going to try to like reach him emotionally and hope that he feels bad and and can't like separate his victims um, as like not being real people, but he needs to, you know, have that kind of response. I'm going to take her word for it that this is a method that does sometimes work. I 
I don't know if it actually ever does work. Yeah, I think, like, a lot of the times, like, in, like, procedural shows with, like, missing children, they'll be like, oh, we have to make them see that this child is a person because it might keep them from actually, like, killing them. But, like, I don't, I think after the fact, it's not going to really provide remorse. Yeah. But she just really is, like, she's going through all the photos with him and he's like, oh, I recognize that one. I buried her under this tree. Betty goes, digs a hole, and they find dog bones. Yeah, he was just messing with her. But how did, so he, obviously he killed a dog or, like, was that his pet dog? He said it was his pet dog from, like, when he was, he used to live there. So, yeah, so she comes back and she's like, why are you, like, being such a creep? And he's like, I know who you are. You're the rogue FBI agent who's looking for her sister Polly. He's doing that whole thing, too, where it's like when she shows a picture of Polly, he's like, oh, is she the one who goes by Patty or whatever? And Well, no, at the end when she's like, oh, does she sometimes go by this and have this tattoo? And Betty's like, yeah, do you remember her? It's like, well, no shit he remembers her from something. Yeah, he like, he said all those things. So he clearly knows who she is at the very least. Right. But he did the whole like giving very specific responses. Like, yeah, she looks like this, has this color eyes, but never heard of her, never seen her. It's like, yeah, you have. So he says that he's doing this because he wanted to know how it would feel. He doesn't see them as people, just prey, the same as hunting animals. So Betty's going to tell her mom that she's captured this guy and she's like, I want to make him pay and, you know, all that. And she's like, well, maybe if you show up and prove to him that you're like a grieving mother, it could maybe help him see that Polly's a human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice tries that and he does not. It does not work. It does not work. And so at this point, Alice is like just telling Betty, just go ahead and kill him. I give you, per- as your mother, I give you permission. Yeah. Which, and that's fair. what you need. Everybody listening, if you want to kill someone, you need your own mother's permission and nobody else's. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. We do not condone murder on this podcast. We it's do been, not. It's been a long time since we've said it, but I feel like now is a good time to say it we again. We are an anti-murder podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So Betty is going to start threatening him, explaining how she's going to carve him into pieces oh with a God, chainsaw. Oh my God, she's like, I'm going to really cut dark. off your feet, I'll cauterize it, then I'll cut off at the knees, and I'll cauterize it, then I'll cut off at the crotch, and I'll cauter... She goes on and on, and I'm like, Betty, this is too much. Yeah, and I think this is supposed to be the, like, thing Cheryl was referring to about, like, is, is Betty mo- also really dark, you know? Well, and, and then we get a flashback, and what she said to this man is exactly what the trash bag killer had said to her so it's like why is that your go-to you weirdo yeah i don't know if she's trying to basically like overcome her flashbacks and fears by sort of saying those things herself i don't know if she would really do it she does end up going and getting a chainsaw and when she comes back to find him dead he has bitten off his own tongue and then choked while trying to swallow it i feel like that happened much faster than how it would happen in real life i yeah i i mean i don't know how long she's gone for but i assume only a couple own tongue. Like, I have to believe your body doesn't let you bite off your own tongue. I, I know that this is, like, a thing people have talked about. I think it is possible, but I, I really think that... See, when they first showed it, I thought, I assumed, and this isn't any better, and i sorry for this is about to get graphic. I assumed that since he was sitting on a chair in, in front of a brick wall, I assumed he had just, like, slammed his head back into the brick wall or something. I don't know if that would also... I mean, I, I would assume that could kill you, too, so... And, like, your tongue is, like, a big muscle. I don't think that you could bite your own tongue off. I don't really want to look it up. I've got to say this sequence of her threatening to cut off his legs and etc with a chainsaw and then finding out how he had died was probably like one of the most gruesome dark things we've seen on Riverdale. It was pretty gross. It was gross. According to a Reddit post from 2018, um, it doesn't seem like you can actually bite off your own tongue as a form of suicide. Because that's a question someone asked. They said, can you really bite your own tongue off as a form of suicide? Was the question based on this Riverdale episode? No, it's from four years ago. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's definitely something I feel like I've heard about, but I feel like I've heard about it in the context of you can't do this. Your body like will not let you basically. And that's, yeah, based on like a quick little Google search, it seems like it's the kind of thing where when you accidentally bite your tongue, it hurts a lot more because you're able to do more damage. Like if you intentionally are doing it, it's it's not going to be as serious. And if you're intentionally doing it, I don't think you could like bite all the way through your tongue. Okay, this is getting, let's move on. This is getting I don't, I just like, I, I don't think your body would let you do it. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't, it, it defies logic. Yeah. So at the end, Alice is going to say that she does feel better knowing that he is dead. And Betty says, yeah, I think I feel a little better. But my guess is that this is more like a family or a group of people fighting together and that it's not just him. And I don't think that we've seen the end of the story. Now we ask this every week. Let me check in with you again. Do we think Polly's actually dead? <laughs> 
I don't know, man. And I don't, they've, it's honestly dragged out so long that I don't even care if she's dead or not. Like, I, I don't yeah. care. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this is the kind of storyline that I think would be much better and more interesting on a binge when you get the conclusion quicker because we don't know. Up to this point, I mean, I'm assuming she's not dead because we haven't seen her body, but it would be way more impactful if they had found Polly's body and then had to, like, figure out who killed her, I think. I, I agree, which is why I'm thinking that she is alive because otherwise we would just have seen the body and this it's would be a River revenge Dale. trip. We haven't seen her head, so she's alive. Yep. Okay, and for our last plot line, this is a painting of Jughead as the Rat King. I hated this so much. This was the worst. I hated yeah. it. Yeah, uh, not my favorite. I feel like we can get through it quick, though, because there's not that much that's actually essential. Yes, but okay. While the painting was not my favorite, I was very happy with a lot of the information we got in this plotline. 80% of the information doesn't make sense with the timeline that we currently have is the other thing. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I think I would have to go back, and I'm not gonna do this. I'm sorry. I would have to go back to the first episode of, like, season five proper, so whatever that is, like, season five, episode three or four or whatever. I would have to go back to that and listen again to whether or not Jughead actually said we have never talked or we just have never seen each other. Was he he implying we have never talked in person? Because it's very confusing. That's not even my problem. I don't care about that. If he was keeping him with Betty, whatever. He makes it seem so he dropped out of his freshman year to write this book, which then didn't get published for, I guess, six more years. And then the voicemail happened seven years later, but we're seven years later. And it's been long enough since his first book was done that he's supposed to be done his second book. None of this makes any sense. So there's, there's at least one part of that that I agree with. The part in the voicemail, which we already heard from the other episode, and we nitpicked it then too, where he says, I can't remember exactly the line, but it's something like, I should have known this seven years ago or whatever. Uh That part we know is not true because his book, the beginning of this time jump, which is seven years later, he mentions that his book had been published like a year or two ago. Like, I think it's been, it's been a year or two. Exactly. It's been long enough that his second book is expected. So this doesn't make sense. The the voicemail, like I would just say, in your mind to make yourself happy, pretend that he says, I should have known this five years ago, because that makes more logical sense. It doesn't make sense for it to have been seven years. It doesn't make sense that he was able to get an agent for this book within his first year of school moved to like the move to New York and all of this is it's stupid. I think we misinterpreted something. They don't actually say it. I think what happened based on reading it. So the the structure of this is that Jughead is at, at a Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or some other sort of Alcoholics yes. addic- Addiction and the, oh, meeting. And the other thing too is at those meetings you don't tell them your whole name. Yeah. That's not how that works. I don't know why that's happening but he would say my name is Jughead. That is it. He would not say the whole thing. Yeah. I or- he would say Forsyth. That real quick fan fiction corner here. I was reading, I think I mentioned this last week or the week before, but I had been reading a Riverdale fan fiction recently that was centered around Jughead being a, a recovering alcoholic. It was actually written like before this season had come out, but um, it, just interesting that now that is like also a tie in here. Well, I feel like it, it makes sense that it would have been a like fan plot before because it like ties in with the FP stuff yes, of like that. Exactly. So it, it makes sense. It makes sense. So, yeah, I think the part that I'm going to have to, and this is just me for my brain, in order to appreciate the show and remove some of the continuity errors, is I think what happened was he said he was at his freshman year in Iowa, and that was when he started drinking too much. And so that's when he started working on his writing craft. And then he sort of jumps ahead and says, and then Sam Pansky got back to me. I am assuming this is like his senior year now. I'm assuming that they this is not all happening in his freshman year. I don't think he graduated from... Iowa. I think like this, the way this is filmed makes it seem like he dropped out maybe in his second year. But I don't and think when that he's happened. talking to Betty, Betty's clearly in like a first year dorm room. Yes, true about that part, which is also confusing. Well, she, he's definitely talking to Betty when she's sitting outside her dorm room. And but... I don't believe that Jughead and Betty had a texting relationship for four years and didn't meet up. They that's that also defies logic. Yeah, maybe he graduated early, but I just don't think it was his freshman year because we saw in the graduate. first episode of 
to the time jump that he had been part of some like exclusive Iowa like writers group. Like, I remember it was something like this is not correct, yeah. but it was something and like we were the Brat the- Pack or whatever. It was not that it's, though. They don't know what they're doing. This is horrible. Okay. Well, for my mind, I'm gonna pretend that maybe he either dropped out or graduated early, but like after a two or three years, not one, because that makes no sense. Well, I'm sorry, the plot doesn't make sense. I don't know why you're trying to pretend it makes sense. It doesn't. <laughs> okay, the part that I liked from this, ignoring all these annoying bits, is that even this in your notes, <laughs> when uh, Betty says, I hope your friends are taking you out for a celebratory drink, you wrote, aren't they still freshmen? Because you knew in the moment that they were, and it doesn't make sense. So don't gaslight me now and say that they weren't. It's what I had to come to terms with after watching the oh episode my God. in order to you appreciate it. are out of control. Okay, are absolutely whatever. out of control. Here's what I liked. I liked the fact that we see that he called Betty and that she picked up. I Because here's, here's why I like this. To me, it never made any sense that they would have been in such a serious relationship for several years while they were in high school and that they lived together and their parents were so close and then they literally never texted or called each other again. That part doesn't make sense to me. Now, I have also reiterated many times, it's totally possible to break up with someone and never text or call them again. I have literally done that for the last four years. It's, it can happen. But <laughs> my point is, they're, they're based on their personalities, the way they broke up, the fact that their parents lived together, etc. I just don't think that that was like reasonable for this scenario, especially the fact that they then like come back and meet each other seven years later. It makes way more sense that at least one of them, and we're seeing here it's Jughead, was sort of holding a candle for that person and that they did have some sort of text or phone-based conversations, which we see happens. He calls Betty. They seem to be sort of, you know, talking. Everything seems to be kind of okay. It's clearly distant, but you know. If if he hadn't sent that voicemail, they probably, like, it probably would have, they would have ended up meeting up at some point. Or, or maybe they wouldn't have, but they would have been, you know, at the start of the time jump, it would have been like seven years later. It's a little awkward between us because one of us sort of still likes the other one. The other one's moved on. Like, that would have been more the scenario, but instead it was like, oh no, there's like a big toxic, like, bad thing that happened, so we haven't talked for the last couple years at all. And that's because basically Jughead got super drunk and called her and left that voicemail, which we see from his side again. I'm 95% sure that this is just him saying the same lines again. I, I'd have to listen to them and compare them to see whether or not they like literally use the audio from this scene in the previous episode or, you know, whatever, two episodes ago. I don't know. Not really important. But yeah, so, so we're not sure also why Betty doesn't show up to the book release party. What I think would be Something interesting. Comes up. She's in university. Yeah, but she says she was going to go and then last minute is like, oh, I can't make it. And my guess is that either she was like, you know what, on second thought, probably not a good idea to go given our history, etc. Or, and this would be much more interesting, literarily, uh, not going to try that (laughs) word again. (laughs) What make more sense would be that she was like, the reason she couldn't come was because she was either like in hot pursuit of the trash bag killer or this was right after she had been like captured by him. Like, I think as far as I know, I mean, maybe Archie knows, I don't think Jughead knows that that she was like captured by the trash bag killer. No, she definitely he definitely doesn't know that. But that again, it doesn't make any sense based on when this book came out. You know, it doesn't. So basically, Jughead gets super drunk and then he ends up falling through a sinkhole into the sewer system. Mm-hmm. For anybody who might think that the sinkhole thing would be unrealistic, there is a sinkhole on my street. Totally could happen. Well, like sink sinkholes are definitely real. Yes. And like that could happen. What's weird is that this so-called rat king that he distracts him by reading him the full copy of his book. Yeah. That he has a vision of Betty. The other thing that makes no sense is that after he gets out all of this, he gets treated for rabies. But he was gone for days. If he had if he had been infected with rabies, it would have been too late for treatment and he literally would have died. Rabies is like really lethal and you yes. need to get treatment, I think, within 24 hours or you just die. If not faster than that. It might even be less time. If yeah. he was at the point of like having hallucinations and foaming at the mouth, he's dead already. Basically what happens is that at the end when he's talking back in the meeting again, one of the other people in the meeting is going to say, okay, how much of that story was true? And what he says is, here's what I discovered. I went back, found the sinkhole. It had been covered up. I went down into the sewer system, found the area where I had slept, found the copy of my book. But what I realized was I had made up the Rat King situation. There was never anyone there. I wasn't hallucinating. I had fallen down. I was really drunk 
drunk, I had hit my head. And so I was staying down there basically until I sobered up. And I had written this whole fake story about a rat king in my delirious state in the margins of his book. So he had written a fake story as if he had found a rat king down there. My guess is he fell asleep and it must have not been until the second or third day that he had been bitten by the rats because you're right, otherwise he would have died. But the part that was really sad was he says that the main thing he noticed through the whole event was that it made him realize how alone he was and that that night was supposed to be one of the greatest of his life and instead he was in a physical and existential dark hole and no one missed him, which I thought was really sad. And he said that that's still sort of what he's dealing with now. And step one is to get his drinking under control. Okay. Can I also say, sorry, um, according to the CDC, small rodents such as rats are almost never found to have rabies and have not ever been known to transmit rabies to humans, just for the record. They would be culling rats in the sewers in New York if they had rabies. What other animal could have been in a sewer that could have given him rabies? Is there a bat? Could a bat live in a sewer? Because bats are like, often have rabies. Maybe. I feel like bats don't, well, I guess they live in caves sometimes in the sewers. Yeah, I don't think they would live in the, I don't think they live there. I don't know. Could it be like a squirrel or something? Could squirrels get rabies? Um, I'm looking up animals that carry rabies. Oh, wait, yeah, the bat in the office had rabies. Yeah, and then that that also makes no sense because Meredith would have been dead. Like, literally, she would have died so fast. Yeah, unless she was hit by Michael the next day, which I don't think is what happened. The most common animals that get rabies are like raccoons and bats and skunks and foxes. Somebody was just bit by a rabid fox somewhere near me, but they were like immediately rushed to the hospital. So they ended up being okay. But it was like within an hour or two. It also doesn't make any sense actually that something with rabies would be in a sewer because it makes you afraid of water because it gives you hydrophobia. Yeah. Maybe that's why he had the hallucination of Betty and had to get out of there because he realized all of a sudden he was afraid of water. I know that doesn't. How would he have gotten bit by something in a sewer? They like they're afraid of water. How did he have a magical vision of Betty that let him out of the sewer? That he was drunk. Three days later? Man. I don't, he had a lot to drink. Alcohol metabolizes at like a very set rate. If he's really drinking that much, like, I don't know. So in general, the parts I liked about this were the recovery part, the part where we find out that him and Betty had been talking despite all the continuity errors. I liked all that. The part I didn't like was I really thought that this like thing that had been haunting Jughead was going to be like that he had committed a crime or done something really bad. Yeah. But it's like it was all self-destructive. I mean, except for the, like yelling at Betty part. It's well, and that also was like part of like self-destruct like self-destructive tendencies. It's another situation where the show kind of t- tries to make it seem like it's something mystical, but then it's actually just like a very common thing. Right. But I think what I did like is it makes me appreciate the fact that a couple episodes ago when we heard the ver- voicemail for the first time, I was like, dang, how's Jughead ever going to come back from that? That's really brutal. It makes way more sense to hear it. it, it th- this doesn't excuse it by any means, but it's, it was still a horrible thing he did. But it makes more sense that it's like, oh, here's this guy who spent years, like, never getting over this relationship, sort of thought she was going to come visit, things were going to be good, and he coupled with his alcoholism, and then everything comes crashing down, he takes it out on her. That makes way more sense than, like, out of nowhere, years after they had seen each other, he calls her, you know, this makes more sense. it, It gives it at least a little bit of context, but I still think that they did a very poor job planning out how things worked with the time jump, uh, especially for Jughead. For sure. So that's really the end of the episode. There's a little bit at the end where Cheryl shows another painting to Minerva, and it's a painting of the two of them together. And Minerva's like, yeah, I do still have feelings for you, despite the fact that your Nana tried to murder me or whatever. But she is, question mark, leaving to go to South Africa in the morning? Is that what she said? I don't know. I don't um, know. She's gonna go buy more art. I don't Or appraise more She's gonna art. leave so that we can get Tony back in the ship, probably. Good, she can go. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't dislike the character, but she didn't bring basically anything at all here. I don't know why the writers feel like the only way to have Cheryl in a plot is for her to either be bossing people around or to have, like, a love interest. Like, she could do other things. They just don't they know, don't to know do what to do 
they don't know what to do with Cheryl. Yeah. So our she-wolf of Wall Street count, zero. Veronica was not in the episode. <laughs> Love Thank it. Thank God. <laughs> not that I just like Veronica, but her plots are always so boring. Well, can you imagine if they did a whole plot of, like, that's basically what the last episode was. Yeah, true. It was a lot of Veronica in the last one. Thoughts from our listeners? I feel like somebody, I can't find it again, but somebody had tweeted something about rolling their eyes at the whole Rat King situation. Fair. Completely fair. Especially since we have learned that that really doesn't make any sense vis-a-vis rabies. Yeah, if you just think about rabies for two minutes, you realize why that whole thing makes no sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. Also, I couldn't tell the actor who was playing the Rat King, when he first shows up, Jughead's like, Sam? Was that the same guy who plays his, like, agent? I I didn't look it up. Great question. I have no idea. What up, Tim, is real excited about the next episode where Sweet Pea is coming back. Also, Josie, we saw. But did you watch the promo for the next episode? No. Okay. Well, is it the, it's the musical? Uh, I don't know if it's a musical, but Sweet Pea and Josie are definitely in it. And I think I think all of the Pussycats. I think the Pussycats are coming back for a musical episode. Okay. So I'm assuming that's next episode. Um, it might be one or two more. Also, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but uh, it looks like Natalie, uh, Na- Na- I don't know if it's pronounced Natalie or Natalie Bolt is also going to be directing an episode soon. I looked it up. As far as I can tell, she will be the second after Machen cast member who will be directing. So that's interesting. She plays Penelope Blossom. All the moms are directing. Yeah, that's not the next episode, but it's coming up in a couple episodes, the one that she's directing. So anyway, thought that was cool. So the Night Gallery, the Night Gallery is nothing, but Night Gallery was an American anthology television series that aired on NBC from 1970 to 1973, which was sort of a horror macabre kind of show. And it's the structure was basically that the main character would appear in an art gallery setting as the curator and introduce macabre tales that made up each episode by unveiling particular paintings, much in the same way that Cheryl did here. So, okay. so it's like that Crypt Keeper show, Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. So the format was definitely taken from that, if not the actual content. Who is the most normal person this week? Dr. Winter. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, Frank not- was... Frank Frank was honestly pretty normal, except for the fact that he like worked in the mines, but he was like, hey, Archie, don't go down there anymore. Frank was barely there, though. Yeah. Dr. Winter, good. I'm trying to think if there's really anyone else that jumped out at me. I don't know. Probably some of those people in the AA meeting were probably pretty normal. They were barely there. That's, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. I felt <laughs> bad suggesting Dr. Winter, but she was at least in the episode. Tabitha tapping out when she was like, this is no. getting a little too real for me. But then she's like, oh, but I've got your back, girl. Like, what What, you, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're right. I'm, I'm good it. with Dr. Winter. That honestly is fine. I, well, I'm just trying to think if there's any other, like, actual option, and I just really don't think so. Unless you want to go with Eric or Frank, but I I, I think that... Eric and Frank will get lots more opportunities yeah, to and, be the most normal person. Uncle Frank literally got it last week, so... Yeah, and... I think uh, this is good. I'm good with it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Dr. Winter. Thanks. Awesome. Well, I know this was a little bit of a shorter episode, but it's we just moved through it. We didn't we didn't rush or anything. That's just that's what yeah. happened this week. Mary's on vacation, okay? I'm on vacation. It, you know, while there was so much to nitpick, this for whatever reason this felt like a more like classic just silly Riverdale episode rather than so eye rolly about all the I, I think it's like the Veronica Hiram stuff that's bugging me so much. I do not care about the like rebuilding the town nonsense because I know that anything they do to rebuild it, Hiram just has the money and power to strike it down. Especially Literally. because now that we know that Hiram's whole deal is getting the Palladium, it's like, okay, if your goal is to get the Palladium, stop trying to just make all these people miserable. That's not helping you in that goal. That's just you being a jerk for no reason. So everything that has to do with like any of that finance stuff is just not interesting to me because it it doesn't seem relevant except for Veronica exactly. needing to get out of her bad marriage. I think that's it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's it. Do you think we will ever see them actually teaching at school again? God, I hope not. I think we will. We didn't see them in school when they were students. Why would we see them in school now? I don't know. They have this weird desire to keep the school setting, but they don't need it. So I don't know. Like they never used it. Like I would understand if it had been a really school focused show before, but it never was. Yeah, it really wasn't. I don't know. So that's that's it. That's the episode. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll be that's back. That's right. We'll be back next time for episode 15. Until then, you can follow me everywhere at Frail Mary on every platform. You can check me out on RHAP 
doing Big Brother content, and who knows, maybe some Survivor stuff eventually, depending on what they do for Ooh. Survivor season. But Survivor's coming back, end of the month. So it's coming getting soon. close, getting close. If you're interested, you can check out anything else we've got going on in KowskiCast. You can check that out at KowskiCast.com, that's Kow with a K, or on Instagram or Twitter. If you want to write into the show and leave your thoughts or questions on any of the episodes of any of the content we follow, then feel free to reach out to us. The best way to do that is to either reply on the thread that I usually post before the episodes are recorded or DM KowskiCast on Twitter. Those are the best ways. Uh, Kirsten, what have you been up to recently? Um, I actually recorded Renap this morning. That should be coming out uh, shortly. It was Sex and a Kiwi, so that was fun. great. Is it it like movie or TV show based? Uh, We watched season three, episode seven, and then we took iconic groups of four and sorted them into the core four from Sex and the City. It was fun. Can I ask, who are you? So this got discussed on the podcast, and I've always been like, I don't really know. Like, sometimes I could see myself being a Carrie. Sometimes I could see myself being a Miranda. Definitely not a Charlotte or a Samantha. But Rob was like, no, Kirsten, you're a Carrie. You have main character energy. And I was like, I'll take the compliment. So I'm just going to own my life as a Carrie now, even though I don't really like Carrie on the show. I Yeah, but I think if you take out, like, her actual personality, the, like, traits she have do kind of fit with you. I think that's good. That makes I'll, sense. I'll take it. So I yeah. guess I'm a, I guess I'm a Carrie. What am I? Who are you? I don't know. I was going to ask hmm. you if you thought me in a way. Okay. I've never seen the show. I've only seen the movies, so that doesn't really help that much. I feel like we're in a similar boat, though, where I feel like it's, like, very obviously gonna be between, like, Miranda and Carrie, and, like, that's it. Yeah. I feel like I would... It's, like, one of those situations much like the Hogwarts houses where it's, like, I wanna be a Charlotte, and I would, like, think of myself as a Charlotte, but I know I'm probably not. Why do you wanna be a Charlotte? She sucks. She just seems to have her stuff together more than the other ones do. No, stop it. Miranda has her stuff together, and that's you. Okay, not based on the movies. (laughs) Well, the movies are not canon. Okay. <laughs> All right, fair. Great. Well, so check that out. Sex and a Kiwi on Renap. Sex and a Kiwi, yes. And uh, Bojack Horse Pod is uh, still in the game. So how many more check, seasons check do you have out. left? Like one and a half? We are half? just about, we have two more episodes left in season three, and then we have three more seasons three after more. that. Oh, wow. So we've, there's we've more got than I thought some there time. Was. Okay. Yeah, there's six seasons. We are zooming through. It's really fun. Are you excited uh, yeah. for when we eventually podcast about One Tree Hill on what I've decided to be the unedited podcast where there will be zero editing. <laughs> we'll see when that happens. <laughs> I want to do it. I really want to rewatch One Tree Hill. I've never actually finished it, so I really want to do that. Let us know on Twitter if you want this to happen. <laughs> People want it to happen. Like they, the Tom Palmer is has already tweeted four times now that you've mentioned One Tree Hill. <laughs> but it's the problem. Like, I just don't know when we have the time to do it. Well, that's why I'm trying to think of a way to do it that's very very time efficient. Basically yeah. like minimal notes, more of a discussion, less of like a hardcore recap, more of like a discussion mm-hmm. on our thoughts. We could even do it in like a two to three episodes at a time kind of thing. No editing for sure. <laughs> Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll think of a format, something that will work for us eventually. But, you know, about five One months day. ago, Kirsten did say the fall. And, um, oh, what's this? It's September. <laughs> yes. And so uh, the problem is, is that there were a lot of things that I said, oh, in the fall, too. And suddenly the fall is busier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. It's uh, all good. We'll it's, figure it out eventually. It's fine. We'll figure it out. Like, one day Riverdale must end, right? I don't so, know. I have this. I keep hearing that all the actors sign seven-year contracts, which is, like, really hurting me. (laughs) I don't know if that means seven years or seven seasons, though, because if it's only seven years, we've only got, like, one more season. Actually, that's a thing, though. I saw the promo picture that they're releasing for season six of Riverdale, and it says, like, it all culminates in this. This is the final battle. So I feel like season six might be the last season. I haven't seen a promo for season six. It's just, like, an image. It's on It's on um the writer's Instagram. What's his name? I, Rodrigo. It's on his. It's, like, it's like R.A. Writer or something like that. I can't remember what it is. Um, I hope that, that it will end. Um, it's a tree. I don't see it when I searched images. Oh, wait, there it is. Okay. Yeah, because it says Riverdale season six. It says, like, the, the V and the in the E on river. It like looks like a six. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Roman numerals. 
It makes sense. You'd have to look at Well, picture. actually, no, because that sounds like a four. Well, but it's not the I and the V. It's the V and then the first line in the E. It's confusing. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah, they should have done it for season four or season yeah. five even, but they didn't. So whatever. But it's like a tree. Well, I mean, technically, you could say they did do it for season four and five and we just didn't notice. <laughs> that's also possible. We don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know. It's not like we looked at it. All whatever. right. Okay, everyone. That's all for this week. Until next time. Bye. Whoops, I googled the wrong thing.